Well, good morning, church. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. I am James, one of the pastors on staff here at Faith, and we are glad you're joining us, whether you're in person or online. Today is our second week in a series called Before You Speak, and in this series, we are talking about the power of communication. Do you remember that kid's rhyme? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, you guys remember that? It's a bunch of malarkey. Words can indeed hurt. They have the power to hurt and destroy, but they also have the power to build up. Words can build up. Words can tear down. And do you know whose words oftentimes end up doing us the most damage? Our own. What we choose to say or not say is often what makes all the difference at work, at home, on Facebook, with our extended families. Communication has power, and this short little three-week series that we're in is all about how we navigate when, what, and how we should speak. But before we dive into today's content, let's uh, take a second to pray together. Lord, we're thankful for another chance to worship you. Uh, singing your praise is so good. We do want to lift up some specific requests that we have today. Lord, we think of the Coopers who had the memorial service for Jonathan yesterday. Continue to walk with them during this time of mourning and grief. Be their comfort and peace. Lord, we pray for those who are dealing with cancer and complications from COVID. Continue to give them wisdom on uh, how to respond to the, the different treatments laid in front of them. Lord, we pray that you make us receptive to your word today. We pray this in your name. Amen. So the last couple of weeks as I was working on this sermon, I came across an article online from USA Today. They have this little Ask Alice type of column. They call it Ask HR, and it's where people write in with their HR questions to an HR expert. And in this particular uh, column, someone had written in, and basically th this is what they said. They said, in a moment of anger, I sent an email to my coworker saying how stupid and incompetent my boss is. And then my coworker forwarded the email to my boss. What should I do? Well, the, well, the columnist, <laughs> yes. Uh, the columnist responded in the usual way. You should go to your boss, you should apologize, you should explain how you were upset and you acted in frustration and you said something that you shouldn't have. But then the columnist said something really sobering. He wrote, I just want to be honest, you should probably sharpen your resume. <laughs> One of the fundamental tenets of employee-employer relationship is mutual trust. Because of what you wrote, your boss is unlikely to trust you and may start looking for your replacement. The fact of the matter is your actions may result in negative consequences. In other words, even though you didn't mean for your boss to see that email, this is your fault. You said something that should have been left unsaid, and now you're probably going to face the consequences. Not everything that we think or feel needs to be said or emailed or posted on Facebook or written passive-aggressively on a sticky note and slipped into your spouse's lunchbox. <laughs> Why? Because communication, it's powerful, and it can build up and it can destroy, so we need to be careful with our words. Check out this verse from Proverbs. It says, The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. 
Now, I can't get enough of Proverbs. I think it's so relevant. And if you're not familiar with Proverbs, it's a book in the Bible that is unlike anything else you're going to find there. It is a huge compilation of sayings that are meant to help people think about how to live their lives with godly wisdom. Now, wisdom, it's something that we often misunderstand. Uh, Bible teacher Jen Wilkin, she differentiates between knowledge and wisdom. She says, knowledge is simply looking at a set of facts, whereas wisdom, it's the ability to take the facts at hand and make the best decision with the information we already know. The sayings that we find in Proverbs, they are meant to help us grow in that type of wisdom. They're meant to help us take the available facts and make the best decision with the information that we have available to us. And this particular proverb, it's trying to help us develop that kind of wisdom when it comes to our words. The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Now the imagery of a guard in front of your mouth, that is so good. If you work in a building that has a security guard, part of that guard's job is to make sure that the people who are supposed to be in the building are allowed in, and the people who aren't supposed to be in the building are not allowed in. In this proverb, it's saying that our mouths should be the same way. We need to make sure that the right things come out of it and the wrong things don't. And not only that, but the person who just opens their mouth and says anything and everything that comes to mind that person is inviting their own ruin. So in other words, not everything that you think should be said or texted or posted on Facebook. And often the difference between people who do well in life and those who struggle is that those who do well have found out how to uh, decide what they should and what they shouldn't say. Well, last week, Pastor Mike, he gave us a really good criteria for understanding if something should be said or not. He talked about making sure that what we say is true. Is it true? Because if it's not, then it shouldn't be said. And this week, we've got another criteria for helping us decide if we should say something or not, and that is, is it necessary? There are an awful lot of things in life that are true, but just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it. So when you find yourself with something that is true and wondering, should I say this, run it through this criteria as well. Is it necessary? And to help us think through this question, we're going to look at another proverb. This is from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray. The idea here is that the, saying the right thing at the right time it's something that is of tremendous value. Communicating what's true when it needs to be spoken, when it's necessary, is very valuable. Now this implies the opposite as well. Speaking the right thing at the wrong time tends to not be as good. Communicating what may be true, but in a moment when it doesn't need to be spoken, is often a harmful thing. Let's just take a, a really goofy, totally made up example. Let's say that my wife decides to cook some dinner, but she's tired of cooking the same old stuff. She wants to make something a little different, a little special. So she goes out to the store and she buys all of the supplies necessary to make duck terrine with glazed shallots. 
Well, she gets home and she starts working on dinner. She's excited, finishes it all up. And we sit down to eat and she's just loving it. She's saying, mm, this is so good. I can't believe we haven't made this before. But say that I'm not really digging it. But I eat it because I want to be polite and I know my wife worked hard on it. But secretly, I think it's gross. <laughs> now, let's pretend that later that night, we get into an argument after dinner about the fact that I feel like we're not budgeting enough supplies for me to buy enough money for me to buy fly fishing supplies. <laughs> well, things get heated. We're both angry. And in anger, I say, and you know what? I hated your stupid ductarine and glazed shallots. Now, it may be true that I hated the ductarine. And at some point in the future, it may have been wise for me to tell my wife that I didn't enjoy it, just so that she doesn't make it again and subject me to having to feel like I need to force myself to eat weird duck paste. <laughs> but in that moment, while we're having a discussion about how I've been spending too much money, was it necessary or needed for me to bring up the gross ductarine? No. And here's what happens. When we say things that are true, in moments when they don't need to be said, we can end up doing more damage than if we just kept our mouths shut and waited for a more appropriate and necessary time to say that thing. Just because something is true does, doesn't mean that right now is the necessary time to say it. Like our proverb says, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray. Now I can only speak for myself, but I'm guessing there's a good chance that a bunch of you feel the same way I do here. My problem is that I often say true things when they're not necessary to say. I say the right thing at the wrong time, and it tends to get me in a little bit of trouble. Uh, for example, when I um, was dating Meredith, she told me about how she had just missed getting a four point in one of her classes. And at that moment, I should have said, oh, honey, that stinks. It never feels good to just miss a four point. But instead, I said, well, maybe if everyone else in your class was a little dumber, the curve would have been more in your favor. <laughs> in other words, I said to her, basically, the only way for you to get a four point is for you to be in a class full of kids who don't do that well so you can be at the top of the curve, which is basically like me saying, hey, I don't think you're that smart. Was it true? Not the part about me not thinking she's smart. But my original statement, sure. Anytime you're in a class where the rest of the class doesn't perform as well as you do, you end up being on top. But was it necessary for me to say that? Nope, not at all. That statement was not needed at that moment. Most of us, we can think of times where we've stuck our foot in our mouth by saying something that probably was true but not necessary. But sometimes, our problem is that we don't see it, say the right thing when it is actually necessary. For example, maybe your kid really needs to hear an important truth, but you're afraid of upsetting the relational balance that you just achieved with them. Or your employee keeps screwing up and you avoid having that hard and necessary conversation. Or something's going on in your marriage that you know that you need to address, but you just keep putting it off for later. Sometimes the problem is, that there is something necessary that needs to be said, we just avoid saying it. Check out this little story from Galatians in chapter two when Paul realized that there was something necessary to say. He wrote, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also, 
and I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So what's going on here? Well, after Paul became a Christian, he was sent out by the Holy Spirit to take the good news of the gospel to non-Jewish people across the empire. But this ended up causing some tension because Paul was teaching that Gentile believers were saved by faith and they didn't need to be circumcised. And the Jewish Christians, a lot of them did not like this. They actually thought that Jesus saves, but for any person, um, if they wanted to be a follower of the God of the Bible, they would need to be circumcised. So Paul, he went to Jerusalem to hash things out and to see if what he was teaching was heresy or if it was true. And he met with a council in Jerusalem and they decided that he was correct. Jesus saves, Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. This is what he says in verse three. He says, yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because false believers had infiltrated our rakes to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The big deal here is that Paul, he was affirming that through Jesus, Gentiles, they had full inclusion in the people of God. In Christ, Jews and Gentiles were made into one people, united. But not too long after this Jerusalem decision, this happened. This is verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Well, Cephas, who we also know as the apostle Peter, he ended up going to Antioch, which was like Paul's home base. And while he was there, some Jewish teachers, they came, and these teachers, they still thought that for Gentiles to be included in the people of God, they would need to be circumcised. And if they weren't, then they needed to be treated as second-class citizens. So before these Jewish teachers came, Peter, he was living in total unity and inclusion with the Gentiles. They were hanging out, they were eating dinner together, they were doing life together. But once these teachers came, they pressured Peter, and Peter started to draw back from the Gentiles and treat them like a separate, less, less than Jewish entity. And Peter's actions, they ended up influencing and leading astray other Christians like Barnabas. Now, Paul saw this and he was like, this is no good. He sees that Peter's been led astray. He sees that Peter's actions are hurting the church. And he realizes someone needs to say something here or else the church is going to suffer. So he's got two options. He can either just let it go and wait for someone else to deal with it. Maybe there is some other wise and mature Christ follower who is willing to point out Peter's hypocrisy. His second option is that he can go to Peter, who is a friend and fellow co-worker in Christ, and have a hard and necessary conversation. Well, this is what Peter does. This is verse 14. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, 
you are a Jew, and yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. In other words, Paul's like, hey man, Peter, what are you doing? You know what's true. Gentiles are saved by Jesus and brought into the family of God. They don't need to be circumcised. They don't need to follow the Jewish customs. You're leading the people astray. Paul saw a situation where it was necessary to speak what was true, and he did it. It's not always necessary to say something, but sometimes it is. And when it is, we need to speak up. So here's the big question. If the one who guards his mouth protects his life, and the one who opens his lips invites ruin, and a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray, well then, how do we know when it's the right time to say something and when we should just keep it to ourselves? How do we know if what we want to say is necessary and needed or not? Well, I think that story with Paul gives a few clues for us. You know, a lot of times, Paul, he gets a bad rap for being confrontational and stubborn and maybe even a little mean. A lot of people, they read Paul's life and they think, man, I bet he was kind of a jerk. We read stories like this one or some of the really bold confrontational stuff that he writes to churches in his letters. And we think, Paul, great leader. I'm thankful for him, but I'm not sure I would have wanted to be his friend or a partner in ministry. I don't think that's really a good way to think about Paul. Maybe he was kind of abrasive, but the fact of the matter is that the circumstances that Paul was writing into were really about life and death for the church. Us not being there, we sometimes miss the intensity of the circumstances. Paul, he knew that the work of Jesus had brought Jew and Gentile together as God's people. He knew that faith in Jesus meant Gentiles were brought into the people of God. But there were a lot of people who disagreed with this, and we often miss just how much pressure there was on the early Christian movement to either make Gentiles second-class members of the movement or to demand that the Gentiles adopt all of the Jewish elements of life and tradition in order to be considered a part of the people of God. And so when Paul's writing about this stuff, he was fighting for the soul and the future of the church. And so when we see things like, uh, like this story and we think, ah, oh, Paul's so abrasive, Paul was fighting for something that mattered, and he realized, if I don't do something here, we could lose everything. If I don't step in and correct this issue, everything that we've been fighting for could disappear. Paul was being faced with the question, what happens if I don't say something? I mean, we can't know everything that was going through Paul's head, but I'm guessing that this was one of the questions he was asking himself. What would happen if I don't say something? Will all this work itself out? Will people get hurt? Will the church movement lose its path and its momentum? What happens if I don't say something? 
And that's actually a great question to ask when we're trying to determine if it's necessary for us to speak. What happens if I don't say something? And we can flip that as well. What happens if I do say something? Will it make a difference? Will it hurt? Will it help? Will it do nothing? And as we read through Paul's account of this confrontation with Peter, we see him recount some of the details that come up if he does something or doesn't something, or doesn't do something. Check out verse 12. Paul wrote, But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Paul was noticing that Peter, an important leader in the church, a man who was responsible for influencing and guiding many, was allowing his fear of the judgment of men to keep him from living the life that God wanted. Paul sees this and he says, I got to say something. Peter's a man of God. He's letting these men and his fear of their judgment keep him from living in Jesus' ways. If I don't say something, Peter will continue to go astray. And then Paul says, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So not only was Peter allowing his fear of man to keep him from living out God's ways, but his actions were also harming other people in the church community. Even Barnabas, who was a strong Christian leader, was being led astray. Paul was seeing that Peter was hurting himself and was hurting others in the community, and he thought, if I don't say something, the church will be led astray. It's necessary to speak up. Add to all of this, Paul himself was a man of great influence. Him and Peter were like the top dogs in the burgeoning church. So if there was anyone that Peter was going to listen to, it was Paul. Paul might have been one of the only other people out there with the knowledge, the influence, and the intellect to effectively confront Peter and have it result in good change and not just division. These details, they end up being really useful when we're trying to figure out if it's necessary to say something, if it is indeed the right time for our words. When we find ourselves with something that's true, that we want to speak into a situation, let's pause and ask some of the same questions that Paul was working through here. He was basically asking, is this person allowing themselves to be led away from a life lived for Jesus? Is this person doing or saying something that's causing them harm, others harm, or leading people astray? And here's probably the most important part of these questions. Am I the right person to speak into this person's life at this moment with this situation? Do I have the type of relationship with this person that allows me to speak into their life at this moment and to have them actually listen to me and respond? The truth is that there's no magic list of questions to help you know if something is necessary to say or not, but pausing and considering the circumstances, asking some of those questions, that's a good place to start. Not everything is, that is true is necessary, but a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray. Now, I want to highlight an objection to this. Um, I hear this idea a lot. People say to me, I felt like I had a moral obligation to say something. It sounds a lot like this. For the sake of humanity, I felt like I needed to speak the truth into that Facebook post or correct 
that ignorant person on Twitter or tell my brother-in-law how much of a bigot he's being. What they're saying is wrong and I feel morally obligated. Someone has to stand up for the truth. Now I get this sentiment and there's definitely situations in life where you need to stand up for what's right. But I want us to consider the wisdom of Proverbs here. A true word, it's most valuable when spoken at the right time. My wife and I were talking about this sermon series. She said to me, I feel like in our cultural moment, everyone feels like they have to say something about everything they disagree with. And I think she's right. The scope of things that we feel morally obligated to speak out about, it seems to have widened. And it seems like everyone feels that they're an expert who has the absolute right to tell everyone else what to think. You use vegetable oil instead of butter when you fry your eggs? How dare you? I am morally obligated to inform you that you have been frying your eggs wrong. But seriously, whether it's political theory, issues of race, economics, theology, parenting, there are things we come across that for some reason strike us to the core and we feel like for the sake of the world, I need to say something. But are we morally obligated at that moment to say something about everything that we think is wrong or disagree with? Well, do you know without a shadow of the doubt that the thing you want to say is true? And is this situation one that really does necessitate saying something? Are people being led astray from Jesus? Are people hurting themselves or others in the community at large? And do you have the type of relationship that allows you to actually have a fruitful and helpful conversation with this person? And is this a time where someone will actually listen? If the answer is yes to questions like that, it might be necessary for you to speak about things you feel morally obligated to speak about. Otherwise, saying something might actually cause more damage than good. A word spoken at the right time it's like gold apples on a silver tray. An acquaintance of mine had posted something on Facebook that could definitely be construed as morally repugnant. Well, in a very predictable fashion, many of our shared friends, they posted uh, some rebuttals to his Facebook comment. They said things like, I can't believe you'd say that. How dare you? You mock everyone who's ever suffered trauma in this way. And it got out of control really quick. And while most of our shared friends who were rebutting his off-color statement were saying things that were true, the result was that they were actually strengthening his resolve and his views by the way that they were responding to him. And he started posting his not-so-kind remarks with more vigor and intensity. I'm sure you've seen this sort of thing happen. Uh, people set out to correct an untruth they feel morally obligated to speak up about it. And the person in the wrong just ends up digging their heels in more deeply. Well, a few weeks later, this acquaintance ended up posting an apology for his words. And naturally, I was curious what had changed his mind. Well, it turns out that a friend who had a great relationship with him waited a few weeks until things had calmed down, had invited him out to lunch, and had an actually helpful conversation with him that helped him see why so many people were offended by his words. 
This friend was a person who actually had influence, but then also waited until a time where the words could be spoken in a way that would be heard. Because like our proverb says, a word spoken at the right time, it's like gold apples on a silver tray. Christianity is confronted with one of the more challenging dilemmas. Jesus, he loves and comforts the oppressed and the victimized. But he also deeply loves and wants to redeem the oppressor and the victimizer. So when it comes to our communication, especially on the hard things, we have to try and speak in such a way that stands up for what's right, but also tries to bring about good and meaningful change with those who are wrong. And one of the ways we do that is by asking our questions. Is it true? And is this a time where this truth is needed and will be heard? Is it necessary? A word spoken at the right time, it's like gold apples on a silver tray. A true word is most valuable when spoken when needed. So, is it true? Is it necessary? And next week, is it kind? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Proverbs and the wisdom it gives us. We ask that this week and for weeks to come, you can help us process the, the things that we get ourselves into so that we can know when is the right time to speak and when is the right time to hold our tongues. Lord, let us be people who stand up for what's right, but also people who seek to help those who are wrong have good and meaningful change. Let our communication be done in such a way that affects that, God. Pray this in your name. Amen.